Welcome to Paddling the Blue. With each episode, we talk with guests from the Great Lakes and around the globe who are doing cool things related to sea kayaking. I'm your host, my name is John Chase, and let's get started Paddling the Blue. Welcome to today's episode of Paddling the Blue. Today's episode is coming to you from the 28th Annual Quiet Adventures Symposium in Lansing, Michigan. We had an opportunity to talk with exhibitors from the U.S. Great Lakes region, including chats with Chicago Adventure Therapy, Paddling Adventures Radio, the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy, Paddle Antrim, and others that are working to educate paddlers, protect our waterways, and keep our Great Lakes great. Before we get to Quiet Adventures Symposium, if you're not already a subscriber to OnlineSeaKayaking.com, you're missing out on some great content and a growing community. Visit OnlineSeaKayaking.com and use the coupon code PTBPODCAST at checkout and you'll get 10% off up to 12 months of your subscription investment. So with that, enjoy today's episode from the Quiet Adventures Symposium. All right, so I'm joined by Dina Jurdy with Paddle Antrim, and uh, who manages the Chain of Lakes Water Trail. So, Dina, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, John. It's yes. good to be here. So, tell us a little bit about where are you located? So, Paddle Antrim is located in northwest Michigan, so in the lower peninsula on the northwest side near Traverse City. All right, excellent. And tell us about Paddle Antrim. What do you do? We are a local nonprofit with a mission to protect our waterways by connecting people through paddle sports. Super. And how do you go about doing that? We do that through classes and events out on the water to connect people to the water. We feel like when they are out on the water, they understand the importance of protecting our waterways. And we host the Chain of Lakes Water Trail, which is 100 miles of flat water paddling um, through the Chain of Lakes, uh, 12 interconnected lakes. Okay. All right. Now, how long is the the waterway? Um, Over 100 miles um, from start to finish, um, starting in Ellsworth and going all the way to Elk Rapids, going into Lake Michigan at Grand Traverse Bay. Okay. All right. And now you run an event every year called Paddle Antrim, is that right? We do. We run the Paddle Antrim Festival. It's always two weeks after Labor Day in September. And we invite paddlers of, it's non-competitive, so we invite paddlers of all types to join us for this event. Um, it's You can go from 7 to 42 miles uh, along the water trail. All right. And what kind of outreach do you do as an organization? We do um, stewardship trainings. We train paddlers to identify and report invasive species. We also do paddling classes. We feel like if we're going to encourage people to be out on the water, we want them to do it safely. So we offer ACA certified um, classes, both in kayaking and paddleboarding. Oh, super. Now, what got you involved with Paddle Antrim? I moved up to northern Michigan about 10 years ago, and I was looking to get involved. I had just transitioned and I saw the job and I was super excited to to see what it was about and it was brand new at the time so I'm the first executive director of the organization and it's been really exciting to bring paddling and the awareness of our area to others and really promote um, safe paddling out on the waterways. All right now you are you a paddler yourself? I am. So I spent 20 years as a novice paddler until I took this decision. And then I realized, oh, if I'm going to be responsible, I should probably learn a little bit more. So um, I worked on my skills. I'm an ACA um, level two instructor now um, and excited to continue to working on paddling my, myself. All right. Now, what's your favorite part of the work that you do at Paddle Andrew? 
I really enjoy working with the people, whether it is with donors or working with paddlers out on the water. I really enjoy just being connected to people and sharing my passion for paddling and the area where I live in with others. All right. What kind of projects do you have going right now? Right now we are working with the Village of Elk Rapids, which is one of the communities on the water trail. and we are working to improve their launch site. It's a park um, that is pretty undeveloped right now, and so we're working to put a universal kayak launch in there, restrooms. Um, uh, the first non-motorized wash station in the state of Michigan is going on this property, so we're really working to kind of set the standard of what we want water trail heads to look like on the water trail. All right, and you just received a grant to help out with that, is that right? We did. We were excited to receive a grant from the state of Michigan the, through their Sparks program for over $450,000 to make this project happen. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. We're really excited to move this project forward in the next year. Good. Anything else that you'd want others to know about Paddle Antrim and the work that you do? Um, we welcome everybody to check out our website at paddleantrim.com and come out and join us out on the waterways. We'd love to see you. Fantastic. Thank you, Dina. Thank you. I'm joined by Zobari Widor. She's the Associate Executive Director of Chicago Adventure Therapy. Welcome, Zobari. Thank you, John. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> Good. So we've had the opportunity to talk to Andrea Nepper. And uh, so for those listeners who've listened to many episodes, you remember that Andrea paddled the entire west coast of uh, the United States. And Kat, uh, Chicago Adventure Therapy is the organization that Andrea has founded. And uh, Zobari is the associate executive director. So Zobari, tell us a little bit about Chicago Adventure Therapy. Okay. So Chicago Adventure Therapy started in 2007. And this is... Um, Andrea at the time was working in um, the city of Chicago and working doing traditional talk therapy with young people um, and then she was also in the summertime guiding trips and she was realizing that um, young people on these trips were gaining these amazing therapeutic experiences and the young people who she was working with were kind of just like stuck and so she was she wanted to find a way to merge the two together and was looking to see if anything like that was happening in the Chicagoland area and it wasn't so she started up the organization um, and so now all these years later we're 15 now this is our 15 year yeah, congrats. Um, <laughs> thank you <laughs> um, the organization now has like five core um, areas of programming and one of it is our core program which is how we started we're providing different uh, outdoor experiences with adventure sports such as kayaking rock climbing biking um, navigation hiking camping all of that uh, for different partner agencies that are youth serving in the chicagoland area um, youth and young adults and so that's one of our core programming we also have after school we're in chicago public schools and hope to um, merge into uh, alternative schools and uh, to colleges and whatnot and so we're right now we're working with kindergarten through eighth graders and and moving on as, the, as we continue this um, we also have our adventure communities and that was started because some of our young people who were in our partner agency they would either age out or they're not part of the organization anymore or they just fell in love with the sport and they wanted to continue to have access to it and so our adventure communities are year-round and we make the sports available to people like we will pick people up we'll provide clothing food all of that so that they're able to continue to kayak to build their skills if it's a rock climbing thing we'll provide all the transportation and gear and whatnot and so for 
for those communities, we have our paddling community, um, which is our first one and our uh, most established one, our climb community, which has boomed recently, and they did their first ice climbing strip recently. I saw that. Yeah. We'll, we'll have <laughs> to talk awesome. about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty great. Um, and our biking community, and so that one is also developing, and we're, we did a kayak, oh, it's a kayak, a bike camping trip, and so... We're really excited for each community to continue to grow and have these sports be more accessible to young people. Very cool. Um, we also have our community festivals and that's pretty much going out into communities and it's community outreach. You know, we're bringing all of the adventure gear and all of that and doing block parties and events and whatnot and letting them see that people like them are represented in this ask the questions that they need to ask about oh is that a life jacket actually gonna fit me or keep me safe or like if my hair gets wet what am i gonna do so we're bringing these um the sports to our communities and answering those important questions um, and then we also have our family adventures which we started this is the last part of us um, during the COVID and families had to like you know quarantine in pods and so we would take entire families from like the little kids moms grandma everybody a group of 10 and do these um, sports these therapeutic experiences and so we were like this is amazing and it makes it all it, goes full circle and so the kids aren't just having these adventure sports with us but they're doing it with their parents and then it motivates them to continue to do it later we actually had a young person who did a um, paddling in Skokie Lagoons and then he brought his family to do some paddling and, and do a boat rental and continue to use the space that's in their back door so that was really awesome and so we continue to hope that our family adventure makes it a full circle experience for everybody yeah so, so. you so in that kind of situation You've you've introduced them to paddling, and then they continued on, and you know that that's that's something that really made an impact. Oh yeah, we want them to utilize these spaces. We don't want them to know that hey, you know, in the Chicagoland area, there are things that you can do. You don't have to pay for a huge trip or go to a different state or a different country to do this. Like you know, adventure yeah. is in your own backyard. Exactly. Yeah, there's so many fantastic adventures in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I don't think people really realize that how, how unique it is to paddle along the Chicago lakefront and be able to have a great lake right there with that spectacular mm -hmm. skyline. Urban wilderness is still wilderness and it's beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely. So now your paddling community, mm -hmm. that's really grown quite a bit to the point where you've got several coaches within the paddling community yes. now. Yes, yeah, we do have a lot of young people who have said like shown interest in continuing to build their paddling skills and have gotten to the level that they're now certified coaches with um, British Canoe and are continuing to work on their personal skills their leadership skills as well as their coaching skills and so we take young people to symposiums and their assistant coaches their lead coaches mm -hmm. in these symposiums they're teaching people who are just being introduced to this sport so fantastic and you're awesome. a coach yourself yes I am so tell us about your journey <laughs> um when <laughs> I first started um, with Cat as a participant, and then Andrea uh, told me, "Oh, you're really great at this. Like, I really like it, and I want to continue to do it." And so it was like the last day of school, and she said, "Would you like to do this training? It's a couple of days." And I said, "Yeah." And at the end of it, I was certified as the at the time youngest. Um, African-American coach in the United States with British Canoe. And a few years later, actually, my coworker Tiara took that title from me and she was a year younger. Um, but at the time, that was what that was. And I've been coaching ever since, going to symposiums and teaching people and just building myself and continue to build young people who want to advance themselves in the coaching world. That's fantastic. Well, I appreciate the work that you've done in Chicago and the work that Chicago Adventure Therapy has done um, overall to make a positive impact on the paddling community in general. Yeah, we want to continue to bring 
bring youth and diversity into the paddling community because there's just so much benefit to the water and the beauty of it and the community in general. It's so Everyone is so inviting and the culture of it is beautiful and we want to continue to have that live on forever. So, yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned ice climbing. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that adventure. Oh, <laughs> so that was actually with the American Applying Club um, and they have their BIPOC group as well. And so um, I'm not really sure how the connection was made, but Laura, who is um, director of programs for our organization, she made that connection and they were like, yeah, we're going to do some uh, climbing out there. And so we went to Crag and Classic, which is pretty much like a climbing symposium, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, met some folks, and then we planned for this ice climbing trip, went out to Minnesota, um, and got instruction they brought all the gear for us and for the very first time in the organization's history and for all the people who were there even including Laura it was our very first ice climbing trip for everybody so brand new to the sport and it was actually really amazing <laughs> very cool now uh, back to Chicago Adventure Theory for just a second if for, for somebody who might want to start a similar program to Chicago Adventure Therapy to make the same kind of impact that you've made in their community what recommendations might you have Oh, that's a good question. I think that being able to open up the blue spaces um, for people of color in general, anywhere you are, is going to be something that's going to take time. So patience is really important. And also having all the equipment, and I'm not just saying like the, the boats themselves, the paddles, like down to like under garments and like long sleeve shirts and all of that to make it more accessible to folks because if they don't have proper clothes if I only have a pair of jeans and you're telling me to kayak and like that's going to deter somebody from being able to do that so patience and having gear is super important and then also inviting uh BIPOC folks and and young people in groups like that's one of the biggest things like I'm People want to do it with somebody. They want to do it with a group of people that they can laugh and talk to as they're coming into the community and they're merging into the community, but at the same time, they don't want to come alone. And then afterwards, you have multiple people who have learned to, to kayak and then they're coming and paddling on together as a group um, and so on and so forth. So those are my biggest advice. Have everything down to the T um, and also invite big groups of people. Okay. So what recommendations do you have for somebody who's looking to start that program and how can they go about, get, about getting that equipment? Um, that's a good question. I think it really boils down to knowing your community. Um, in the beginning, if you're not, if you're advertising and you're not seeing young people or people that the population that you're looking for to um, to introduce to this sport and to be a part of the community, um, then going into those spaces like a flyer is great, but standing there with a kayak and answers and <laughs> that is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you'd be surprised how much of a difference that makes for somebody. Answering questions, letting them put on the life jacket themselves and feeling the safety of it um, and gaining that trust because now they see your face. And then when they do show up with their group or their friend, um, they, they know you. They're like, oh, I remember talking to you over there. And that, that comfort and trust is there and they're willing to do it and then continue to be a part of it and do whatever uh, is happening with that sport, whether it's kayaking or any right. outdoor adventure sport. So the first step is to just do. Yeah, to All do, right. to be there, to be present. It's going to take some time. It's going to be in eight hours that you're sitting at a YMCA, like talking to people, but it's completely worth it. Very cool. 
How can somebody find Chicago Adventure Therapy? Um, you can go to our website. We are chicagoadventuretherapy.org. Um, we are also on social media, Chicago Adventure Therapy, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so that those are three ways to be able to reach out to us. All right. You've got a great Facebook presence. I love watching the weekly uh, the walk, the Catching Up With Cat. Yeah. Uh, reading, the, reading Catching Up With Cat and seeing all the pictures of the, of the groups that you're having positive impacts on. So thank you for making that positive impact. Thank you. <laughs> I'm joined now by Russ Hicks, and Russ is with the Association of State Dam Safety Officials. So, Russ, tell us a little bit about the association. Uh, the association is from Lexington, Kentucky. It's about 40 years old, a thousand members, most of whom are uh, engineers. And as you might guess from the name, the uh, important portion of ASDSO is to promote safety around dams and all dams are dangerous to one degree or another uh, particularly low head dams and there are over roughly a hundred thousand dams and in Michigan there are 2600 dams and many of them are uh, open to unfortunately folks who are traversing down their rivers don't know what's coming up, don't know there's a low head dam there, and can find themselves in a world of hurt if they uh, get in the bottom of the boil or the hydraulic. So what is it about low head dams that uh, make them so dangerous? Well, the way they were designed a hundred years ago, no one recreated on the rivers like we do today. And the mill ponds, the power that was associated with the backed up water, ran the mills, ran uh, hydro, and then as hydro became cheaper, or uh, as electric became cheaper, the hydro became too expensive, couldn't get parts, people just walked away from them. You have a number of dams that are essentially just abandoned these days. They're orphans, and what do you do with a hundred-year-old dam that's deteriorating? It's become obsolete and no one is around to essentially say, let's do something about this. So what can paddlers do to keep themselves safe around uh, low head dams? Well, first off, you need to know the river that you are paddling on and do not under any circumstance take out too close to the dam. And if you're gonna put in, you have to be way downstream from the hydraulic because that pull can actually bring you into the boil of the dam. So just knowledge, knowledge of the river. Okay, all right. Now if somebody finds themselves too close to that dam and getting pulled in, what should they do? Oh, mercy. <laughs> pray. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, pray and actually hope that if, uh, if you do get in, if you do get into that boil, you number one, you have to have a life jacket on. You're toast. You, you will not get out of that boil without a life jacket. Uh, most of the time, if you go like uh, on Lake Michigan shoreline, if you get caught in the rip current, swim parallel until the current releases you. Try and do that parallel to the dam until maybe there's a rock or something that can mess up the hydraulic or the boil and release you downstream. But unfortunately, what do most people see when they get to one end or the other? A large concrete 
abutment. And so there's no way to crawl out of the river if you can get to the end of the dam at one side or the other. All right. So the, so the, the right thing to do is just stay away from it. Stay away. At all costs, stay away. All right. So what's happening in the... Uh, uh, what, what's happening to get rid of those dams? Well, right now, thankfully, with uh, the federal funding, this is a good time to be either removing a dam or trying to rehabilitate a dam because there's federal funding that is available that will uh, essentially expire at the end of 27. So right now in Michigan, right uh, in December, there were 17 dam and culvert removal projects that have been uh, appropriated and approved. There are more dams that are essentially more communities stepping up to say, we also would like to get involved in some of this removal funding. Uh, it's not totally free because you have to have a willing dam owner and those dam owners have to have some access to some funding but the feds and the state w can, uh, can come in and be proactive, but the community has to be as well. Okay. So how can someone learn more about the, uh, the work that your association does? Well, the Association of State Dam Safety Officials has a website, ASDSO. You can go right to it. And um, I would say attend events like this, like the Quiet Adventures Symposium. And... Be proactive and be careful. Be safe. Thank you, Russ. Thank you for joining me today. Okay. Trey Rouse has joined me, and Trey is with the Great Lakes Sea Kayak Symposium and the Power of Water. Thanks for joining me, Trey. Glad to be here, John. Thanks yeah. for asking me. So tell me a little bit about the Great Lakes Sea Kayak Symposium. Well, the Great Lakes Sea Kayak Symposium has been the longest-running sea kayak symposium in the United States. I think this is going to be the 35th running of it, maybe 36, I lose track. We've had it for about six years, and yeah, so. All right, now who's, uh, who's the target for the Great Lakes Sea Kayak Symposium? Uh, anybody that has the desire to connect with the Great Lakes or the water, uh, you can be a beginner paddler. We can accommodate all skill levels, all the way up to the most challenge that you could want to have. All right, what's the environment that the, uh, that the symposium is held in? Well, we're on Lake Superior, just east of Pictured Rocks, and so we use uh, Pictured Rocks National Lake Shore and Grand Island for learning sessions, as well as the Grand Marais Harbor, which is where we're based, is in the little town of, the most amazing little town of Grand Marais, Michigan. All right, now is it more instruction-based? Is it more tour-based, combination of? What, what do you have? So it's, it's coached-based, so it's, it, there is instruction, but it's more coaching than hard instruction. Uh, there are tours, but that is not the point of the event, and that's a change that we've made. So you are going places and going on tours, but they may not be exactly um, specific destinations necessarily. So the, the coaching experience and the participant uh, desires within each group is what's going to determine how those tours look. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but sure. it's, it's pretty in flux. Okay. All right. And about how many people do you usually have at the symposium? We cap it at 60 people, 60 participants. All right, so that's a real yeah. intimate feel then. It's a very intimate feel, and that's what we've really changed our focus to be, so that we're engaged and connected with our participants. Uh, we all eat together, we have amazing food, the best symposium food, there's no question about that. And, and it allows us to really get to know the participant and their 
their skills and what they're trying to do with their paddling. Okay, now at 60 participants, what's your coach to, instruct, or coach to participant ratio usually? There will be generally three to four participants per coach. All right, so that is a fantastic ratio. So you yeah. have really, really personal time together. Correct, Excellent. absolutely. So what makes the Great Lakes Sea Kayak Symposium different from other symposiums? Well again, I think it is that, that idea of our little motto is this idea of community adventure and learning. And really the, the, the most important part is building that community through the adventure and learning. And I think that really comes through when you talk to people that have participated in it. Uh, because it is such a, a, a small, tight town where it is, and with us all being together throughout the symposium, it really starts to weave uh, folks that never knew each other into a community of, of support and, and fun out on the water. Very cool. Now you mentioned it's, it's evolved over the years. Yep. What do you have, uh, what's, in, what's in store for the future? Yeah, so that's a great question that I don't have an answer for, John. Like, <laughs> Uh, we're kind of of a mindset of being present and experiencing what we're experiencing. And so we don't really want to look too far ahead of just delivering the, the experience that we've been delivering. Mm -hmm. I know that doesn't sound like, <laughs> oh, we want to have a thousand people. No, we're just not, that's not what it's about. It's just about the present experience. So tell us about Power of Water. Uh, so the power, the power of water Sorry. is, yeah, it's uh, a business that's centered around uh, training, coach adventure travel, and we have a small retail shop, and then we do coach adventure trips throughout the year to places like County Donegal, Ireland. We just got back from Florida surfing down there. We do whitewater trips uh, throughout the southeast and the mid-Atlantic, and then, yeah. All right. What's your favorite place in the world to paddle? Uh, I mean, it's cliche to say wherever you are, so I'm not going to say that. Uh, there's nothing that it, that compares to paddling on the northwest coast of Ireland in County Donegal. It's uh, it has everything and more, and there's nobody there. You're the only one out there on the water, and it's uh, a pretty powerful, magical place. Fantastic. How can someone find the Great Lakes Sea Kayak Symposium? You can go to the website, thegreatlakesekayaksymposium.net, or check out our website, thepowerofwater.net. Super. Thanks, Trey. John, I really appreciate you having me. All right. I'm joined next by Joni McGuffin from the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy. Thank you, Joni, for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so tell our listeners about the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy. Um, I'm going to shorten it to LSWC as we talk. It is a very unique land trust uh, that is uh, set up um, in for the whole of the watershed of Lake Superior. We're actually a charity in Canada and the United States, and at the core of our work is the health of freshwater. Uh, lake Superior is the largest lake to feed all the lower Great Lakes. It is the largest expanse of freshwater on Earth. And if you took all the water out of the lake and spread it out over North and South America, the water would be a foot deep. Wow. So that's a lot of fresh water. And it, there's three ways that the conservancy works. One is in the traditional land trust way of having preserves and protecting land to protect the water. And uh, we have three preserves. Um, and it is about working on the water trail, uh, which is the connection of water around the lake. And then also we run a Canoes for Conservation program with a 36-foot canoe, where we get people on the water for an ecological and cultural interpretive experience that's very inclusive and um, uh, you know, people of all abilities and ages can participate. All right, now when was the Conservancy founded? 
It was founded in 2004. Okay. And at the time that we founded it, it was a pretty audacious idea. There was no Zoom, no connections easily with a big geographic landscape like this. And we, t we traveled literally tens of thousands of miles around and around the lake and the watershed trying to connect with people. And what the image and story is, is a very indigenous worldview of the wholeness of water. There is no US-Canada line fence or anything through the lake. It is a body of water that literally feeds all the lower Great Lakes. And the 200 rivers that flow in, the health of them affects the lake, which it affects the lower Great Lakes. So, um, as I said, our, our work in the Conservancy is really exciting because it's both very tangible educational learning experiences in our wetland, in the islands up at the Garden uh, and in the way of the big canoe and that ability to get people on the water. Uh, but it is also the, the, the preservation piece of having a wetland preserved or having the islands preserved or having a forest preserved so that people can come there and experience firsthand. Um, sorry, I'm not letting you <laughs> ask any questions. No, that's good, keep going. <laughs> um, so the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy was kind of a, a dream idea of connecting two things that would be familiar to people in Michigan. You've got uh, like the um, Little Travers Conservancy, for instance, that's got many, many land trusts. It's a model in the United States for land trust work. You have uh, the Tip of the Mitt Watershed Council, which is all about the health of the watershed and the waterways and engaging the public. And they've been around for over 25 years. They're a model in the United States. And so these mentor organizations, we kind of thought, how could we do both things <laughs> with one organization? It's been a challenge. We've been around for a lot of years and we're still a relatively small organization. But recently we've been connecting with the water community on a much greater scale to do our work for um, the larger community of water care people. Uh, the Flint, Michigan water crisis, the, the crisis in Ontario for water a number of years back really led us to understand that water is not some municipal issue problem. It's actually the environment. We are 75% water. And for anybody listening to this anywhere around the world, that is the one commonality that connects all of us, is that we are made of the water, the water that's long been on this planet, that has gone through the dinosaurs, that is the water that we now as Lake Superior holds this water is an iconic um, example of freshwater protection for the world. So you mentioned 200 rivers that drain yeah. into Lake Superior. So the, uh, the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy supports not only the lake itself, but it supports that entire landmass and all the rivers that flow into it. That's exactly right. And uh, my husband Gary and I, uh, we paddled around Lake Superior a number of years back and it got us real intrigued because we saw all the rivers flowing in. So we went back and we would go up to headwaters and we would paddle the rivers coming in. And there's all these cool different ways of exploring it from a paddler's view. There's everything from the big canoe to the kayak to the small whitewater kayak to the stand-up paddle boards. Like there's all kinds of ways that people interact and engage with the water in a paddler's way. And this whole ecosystem here offers 
just superlative um, experiences that way. <laughs> All right. Now, you mentioned Lake Superior Water Trail. So the Conservancy has put together the Lake Superior Water Trail? So the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy was asked by, um, I won't get too detailed. Um, so Trans-Canada Trail, 30 years ago, ha they started as a very small group to create a connected, uh, self-propelled type trail all the way across Canada. So it's 25,000 kilometers, whatever that's like, 18,000 miles or something. And um, in 2013, they were trying to finish the North Shore of Lake Superior, and they were trying to do it with hiking trails. There's a lot of great hiking trails, but it's never going to be a, like a connected walking trail anytime soon. And so we said, well, the historic and indigenous uh, connection to these waterways and really historically has been the water and a water trail that thousand kilometers that connects from Sault Ste. Marie around to Thunder Bay uh, almost and over to the Minnesota border is actually part of the Trans-Canada Trail. We said there's two things. We are very proud and pleased to be part of the Trans-Canada Trail, but as the Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy, we want to be part of the Appalachian Trail of water trails that encircles the lake. So it's been an ongoing conversation with water trails in Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, a bit of a slowdown during COVID and everything, but that conversation to create uh, like all the segments of the trails and bring them together as one unifying trail would be like a world-class water trail. And I think the voices that need to be brought into the forefront with the creation of such a trail are the indigenous voices around this great lake. Because we don't look at water uh, in this really life-giving way. We often look at it as just a resource, you know, something we buy in a plastic bottle, get out of our tap. It's just ubiquitous and it's there and it's, it's like we don't take care of it as much as we should. And I think uh, if we looked at the water in a way that respected it and cared for it, I think the paddling community is well suited to do that work, but I think the indigenous community is by far and away as a cultural, uh, spiritual, ecological connection. We have so much to learn from First Nations and the tribes about how to live on this land and with this land. And um, I'm deeply respectful and humbly um, uh, you know, uh, for my uh, learning and my experiences in listening and learning. So that's what I have to say about the water trail is it's, it's always been here <laughs> since the ice <laughs> melted. It's not something we built, but uh, what we did do when we, we did this work, we put in 16 main access points around the water trail with really nice washrooms, really nice accessible docks, um, the parking lot to the pathways to the picnic tables, everything was done in an accessible way. And Cindy Burkhauer here in Michigan, she did an amazing job with seven states doing accessible water trail access points. That means someone in a wheelchair can arrive at the parking lot and there is a place for them to park, the surface is right, the surface is level, the, the, the materials are correct. But when you get it right to be an accessible access point, it's good for everybody. And so um, I'm really proud about that work that we did for the water trail. Well, you're doing great work at the <laughs> Lake Superior Watershed Conservancy, so we certainly appreciate that and all, the, all those efforts to, and, uh, to make 
make it more accessible. Uh, where would somebody find out more information about the Conservancy? Um, our website is superiorconservancy.org or you can find us on social at LSW Conservancy. Um, and um, my, I, that's probably the easiest, two things. All right. <laughs> the website and the social media. <laughs> Fantastic. Joni, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, I'm really pleased. Thank you for having me, and uh, it's been so great to get back to Quiet Adventures Symposium. It certainly is. All right, so I'm here at the Quiet Adventures Symposium, and I am with Sean Rowley and Derek Speck. Sean, Sean and Derek, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to finally get a chance to meet you. Right? <laughs> so, you host the longest running, or longest continuously running paddling podcast, Paddling Adventures Radio. So we've been told. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> That's why I hear. Yeah, seven years, uh, 367 episodes yeah. so far. Um, we missed one week, but we made up for it. Yes. By holding two of them <laughs> yeah. week, week sort of thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know what? It's, it's uh, a few episodes ago, uh, episodes ago, Derek put it, like, there's a bunch of guys that get together and they have uh, um, their weekly poker their night. Weekly poker yeah. Game. All right. This for us, this is our, our weekly poker game. This is our game. poker night. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No? no. Always always a good time. And you always yeah. do have a great time on the show. We oh, do we, have fun. We have a blast. We do. Yeah. yeah. Any, day, any day I get to make fun of Derek is a good day. <laughs> <laughs> and really, we're just too dumb to quit. So we're just going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> our moms listen, so we have to keep yeah. going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what got you started podcasting? Um, I thought Derek and I belong to a group uh, up in Algonquin Park in... Uh, Ontario, Canada, uh, Algonquin Backcountry Recreationists. And basically we, you know, touched base with uh, Algonquin Park saying, you know what, here's your canoe routes. You guys are planning on building a road too close because they have their, their guidelines. Um, and we say, you know, what, like, you guys got to back that one off or here's, some, here's an idea for a portage. You know, no one ever uses it, close it. Here's another one that's getting kind of bad. You guys need to use it because it's a popular one, that sort of thing. We just, you know, pointed out things to the park. Yeah, it was a it was a partnership, and it, yeah. we were welcomed with open arms. It was between uh, Algonquin Park, the uh, MNR Mystery Natural Resources, and uh, the, uh, the the Forestry Division. We, uh, and, yeah, the we worked forest, with them yeah. a bit too. Yeah. So it, they yeah they they welcomed our participation and our input, and uh, they they thought it was it was unique from our perspective because we hadn't done that before, but it was also unique from their perspective because. They got to work with us on a collaborative basis, and not a uh, like a CPAWS or Greenpeace type where it's very demanding, demand you to demanding, do this. demanding. Yeah. So we yeah. were, hey, let's help you. We'll help each other. We'll make this so that because there there was encroachments on on upon lakes from the Algonquin Park. I don't know if you know it, but it's originally designed as a logging park. It was created by the logging industry to protect it from development, and so it became a. Uh, a, a logging industry within it and uh, so we just wanted to make sure that you know you guys do have rules about setbacks from lakes and portages so we just wanted to say hey this is you you guys created the rules we just help gonna help you follow the rules type thing right but we were collaborative we worked with them and and so from that ABR I, this is your I part got, of the story I got asked to do a radio interview about who the ABR was, right? And so I went online and I did, or, you know, they called, I called in and all that. And it was, I call it real radio. <laughs> yes, know? yes. So, so yeah. if you're in your car tuning in your radio, you can listen. <laughs> yeah. 
so I did this interview in that. And then a couple years later, uh, someone said, listen, I heard that interview. And we are starting an online radio station. We need more Canadian content. And we'd love to have somebody talk about canoe tripping. Because a lot of their stuff was fishing and hunting. So I went online and, and, and listened. I learned more about turkey hunting in Michigan than I ever <laughs> needed to know. There's so many turkey so, hunting. <laughs> so uh, I went back to him and I said, you know what? We can do a show. But I think if you just do canoe tripping alone, it's going to get pretty old fast. So we said, what if we just do a podcast on all types of paddling? And I mean, with us, I mean, we're, we're hardcore canoe trippers. Sure. But we learned about stand-up paddle boarding and kayaking and, and rafting and all these other things that went with over the, the past seven years. Eventually, there, there, I guess the, the theory of the online radio station was low cost because it's, you know, online. But you can reap, reap all these benefits and sponsors and money, 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 money. Never happens. No, not for us. So he's, the, the, the thing was, was okay, we're, we're calling it quits with the online radio station. Thanks for, you know, your efforts and that. And it was 52 minutes. You had to have a 52 minutes show once a week. And we're like, well, we're enjoying doing this now. Yeah. Why don't we turn it into a podcast? And we'll, we'll keep our 52 minutes. So we just started, we just kept on going and Derek would come over once a week and it would allow us more freedom to talk about what we wanted and we're not, we didn't have to adhere to that 52 minutes if need be, because some people you'd, you'd be editing and like, oh, this is such good stuff, but I got to cut it out because we don't have time. We don't have to. Now, you know, our, our model for the podcast is, it's like a fireside chat. We're sitting around the fire you know, have a beer and we just chat, you know, about, about, well, here's a topic we're going to talk about. Let's talk about it. And when we have guests, the same deals, you know, you talk about it, promote yourself. What do you do? Who are you? And, and, and fill our listeners in on what you're all about and what they need to know about, you know, paddling a sea kayak or the type of paddle you're using or, you know, portage etiquette and all that sort of stuff. And, and people really seem to enjoy listening to it. And we get, we get a lot of banter back and forth. Um, but yeah, that was the whole start of it. Is just then it just took off from there. And we just yeah, like Derek said we're just too stupid to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so how has the show evolved over the years? We've gotten better. <laughs> so so we've been told. Oh yeah, I mean when you start a podcast, I mean you you, you, you don't have no know idea. What, no no idea what you you're doing. No, <laughs> we we jumped in say oh we're going to do this and let's go to the Canadian Canoe Museum and, and interview them. Yeah. And we'll get Kevin Callan, who's like Canada's Cliff Jacobson. And we'll, you know, like he's the, the, uh, the god of canoeing. We'll get him on the very first show. And we did. Um, and we're like, well, that was fairly easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Almost too easy. Yeah. And then it, it's, it's just become, you know, we, we learn new things. And it's just, you know, originally it was like, are we going to have enough going to have enough to talk about are we going to fill that 52 minutes and now you look at something are we going to fill 52 minutes hour and a half later you know <laughs> yeah it, yeah it, it's evolved over how we you know how we know how to talk about things and and draw stuff out for because we, we we had a couple of um, guests that would be so uh you do paddling tell us about it yeah i paddle 
<laughs> and so we, we've learned, uh, yeah, yeah. Pull, pull that little bit extra out of them, and to a point where they start getting comfortable, and it's like, okay, you're thinking in your head now. How do I shut them up? <laughs> but you know, we we have our guideline, and we go left, right, center, all that, and we all seem to be able to. We, we've really gotten good over the over the years on bringing everybody back to the topic at hand and trying to keep it, you know. Um, center to to what the idea of the of the interview was and stuff. I think for us that was a, a big thing to over the time we've we've really evolved into being yeah. able to do and our segues have gotten really good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned canoe tripping earlier. Yes. So tell me what it is. That you, what do you love about canoe tripping? Well, for me with uh, with canoe tripping, it's it's the ability to get out into. It, there's so many aspects of it. Like one of the primary aspects is getting away from people, getting away from the crowds. Uh, I do a lot of like you know, my kids love it. My wife loves it. We get out into the backcountry, whether it's Algonquin Park, Tomogamy, Clarney, off the beaten trail, into the backcountry. It's quieter, and it usually takes like a, like two days for the ringing of the of all the noises that you're used to to go away, and you can finally sleep at night without that wee in your head. And uh, and then, so it's it's off the beaten trail it's relaxing you're unplugged from technology and you just it, it's just your you just get that constant daytime thing of you know making breakfast and breaking camp and packing up and paddling and discovering new areas and discovering unusual trees or rock faces and you know different waters different pathways and just discovering a new trail or a new something right and so even if we're not paddling and say we have a layover day we'll paddle over to a couple portages and walk portages that we weren't gonna it's not on our route so let's do a walk over and walk that portage and see what it looks like and so it's just to get away from the busyness of life and the noise of life and the technology that's always in the back of your brain right Mm -hmm. just to be able to unplug and get away from it yeah, you know, I, I grew up, my dad was in the Air Force, so we grew up in, like, Moosonee up on Hudson's Bay and out west by the by the mountains and stuff like that. And then when he retired, he retired to Toronto. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, man, that was just such a shock to my system. So, you know, we like to say we're the last of the be, be home when the streetlights come on generation. All right. Right? And we grew up outdoors, you know. Uh, my family, especially, we we're, were big into the camping, the boating, the, the fishing, and stuff like that. And now, I mean, day to day, you're you're sitting in an office in front of a computer, and you're doing, you know, making your your living because you know my wife has this thing about you know, mortgage being paid, <laughs> mortgage, lights, vehicle, heat, food, yeah, <laughs> you know, all the little willy nilly things. It can't, yeah, it can't yeah. be just about boats. <laughs> Apparently oh. not. Um, There's got to be a way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, this is my way of. of getting back partly to my childhood uh, getting away from the city which I, I didn't really want to be a part of um, and yeah just getting out into nature and reconnecting that downtime you know and, and now like I mean my wife and I go on these canoe trips and sitting around and there's there's a whole reconnection because after kids our whole life was the kids you know we hockey and art and, and music stuff and you know now that they're all older and out of the house. Now we go on canoe trips and we can reconnect. And I've been doing the trips for like 30 plus years. And now she's only been coming out the last few. But I'm teaching her all these new things that she's always heard me talk about. And you know, when you're sitting there at 6.30 in the morning and you're woken up because you can hear wolves howling. 
you know, or you're, you're paddling down a river and there's a moose, that sort of thing, right? Uh, sitting under a tarp, the rain's just pouring down, there's hail and the thunder and lightning, and just sitting there looking over the lake, watching it. Just the, it's noisy, but it's peaceful, yeah. a peaceful noise, right? And cooking uh, cinnamon buns or chocolate chip cookies on a reflector oven in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> right? I mean, the little sort of creature comforts of home. And knowing that, you know what, if if the zombie apocalypse ever happens, <laughs> we could survive. We can deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it's just that breakaway, getting back to not really a primal thing, but we don't need the, the, all the technology. We, we don't need all the people and the cars and the, the high-rises and all that. The hi- only high-rise I see is, you know, my tent. Yeah, yeah there right? you go. And the great thing about canoe tripping is that you can carry all that stuff in that boat. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. As kayakers, we can't carry as much stuff. We load that boat you have up. You to be a little bit more efficient. Go. You're yeah. limited you in capacity. <laughs> we know a few people that will do the kayak trips. Yeah. They won't portage if they don't have to, but you know, but they get very um, creative a, on what to take, what to leave behind, and how to cram stuff into all the hatches. Yeah. Right? And you look at them and they're like, okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. You go down a couple of lakes or something like that. And hopefully, you don't have to portage. But they'll do that. They'll they'll they take a pack. They get to that portage. They put everything out of all the hatches. Put it into that pack. Portage at the end. Come back and there's the the canoe or kayak. Yes, yeah. a kayak yeah. yoke. And so they can portage it that that way, sort of thing. People do it. Absolutely. But. Yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> As a kayaker, I would go on a trip with a canoeist, load all my stuff in the canoeist boat, and I'm ready to go. Right? <laughs> there yeah. you go. <laughs> so what's your favorite part of Paddling Adventures Radio? Favorite part? People. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, it's the connections that they were making through this podcast, it's incredible. Like, I've I, the diverse adventures that I've been on, like, I, I've met groups that I do uh, hiking and mountaineering with, and... And I, I have people that I do winter camping with. I have people that I, you know, I start to meet that I'm doing canoe trips with. And so it's, there's a lot of these new connections and new people that I've met that it's, I would never have had that opportunity otherwise. And I didn't even know that I craved that kind of opportunity, right? So th- that's just a, an amazing facet of, of the podcast to be able to get out there and, and create those, those new connections with new people. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, you know what? And I mean, I'm sure you get it as well with, with the social media that all of a sudden you're hearing from people all around the world saying, hey, I listen to your podcast. Yeah. I, I listen to episode whatever. And I mean, you were talking about that. And here's some pictures of us doing that. You know, um, I came on one day and I was, I was talk, talking to Derek. I said, canoe polling. <laughs> we're going to well, like, what, what, what is canoe? that? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> polling, uh, you know. Uh, and said, well, you stand up in your canoe with a giant 12-foot pole, and you push yourself up and down rapids. Like you're on the, on, and, in yeah, Venice or yeah, something. Yeah, like you're in Venice, that episode. But, <laughs> right? And, and, and next thing you know, we got a group of five of us, and we're out on the water learning this from a Paddle Canada coach on how to... And then a year later, I'm paddling the Moose River up to Moosonee, and it gets shallow. I've got my pole with me, so I'm just, I don't need to get into the water. I don't need to portage. I just pull because it's too shallow to, to paddle. I'm just standing up and pulling. It's, it's all these little things um, that you'd never do, never 
Never like, thought um, about, yeah. And you're hearing about from all different parts of the world. We got a, we, we found out there's this guy in the Yukon that loves our show. His name's Steve. He, one day we get an email saying, hey, I got family in Kingston. I'm coming down to see him. Can we stop and meet? And we'll chat paddling. And we call him Yukon Steve. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> yeah. Steve is from the Yukon. And to this day, with a lot of our listeners, you say, oh, yeah, Yukon Steve is, uh, oh, yeah, we, we know who Yukon Steve is, right? And you're meeting people and and whatnot. And, yeah, you, you hear from them online and, and stuff, but to actually meet them in person. Exactly. And, and that's what's great about these shows. Like, we've had people stopping by all day oh, yeah. to say, hey, guys, love the podcast, doing a great job, keep it up. And, um, yeah, like, it, that's the, the people thing is, is, is cool. And it'll never get old because we always say, Hey, we're having a quiet adventure symposium, or we're having Canucopia. If you see us wandering, stop us and say hello. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, we we started back in the day looking at these big shows, and you see the the presenters and think, oh, that's like, that's really cool. That's Look Hap at Wilson, that. That's Cliff Jacobson. That's Kevin Callan. These guys are the the gods of yeah. of paddling. And now we're up there doing this, and we're thinking. Oh, those guys are hacks. <laughs> there's nothing special about them. But there's people in there going, oh, look, there's Sean, there's Derek. Yeah, we're hacks. These guys, yeah, yeah. They don't know the real us. <laughs> but it, it's really cool to, to see it from, I guess, like behind the wizard. Yes. You know, in Wizard of Oz, you're seeing it from behind the curtain sort of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. To see that, yeah, these are all just ordinary people. And yes. It's, it's cool. It really is. It definitely is. Yeah. So how can, uh, how can listeners of Paddle... Listeners of Paddler the Paddling. How can listeners of Paddling <laughs> the Blue? There we go. Thank you for, for helping with that. <laughs> Where can they find Paddling Adventures Radio? Everywhere. All right. If, if you Google Paddling Adventures Radio, um, our website will come up. You can. There's an episode tab at the top. You can go there, click it. You can either download or stream all. As of right now, 367 episodes. Wow. Because we've been doing it for seven years. Yeah. Uh, but we're like everywhere podcasts are Spotify, iHeartRadio, Player FM, um, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it. Yeah, if you go into, I think there's maybe one or two that we're not on, but if you go into any of the podcast platforms and search for Paddling Adventures Radio, you'll find it. It's that easy. We're everywhere. You can't get rid of us. We're like a virus. It was funny because uh, when we first started publishing online, so we have our own database of, of shows on our own server or on Friend of Sean's server, and we put it on Apple, iTunes, and then we suddenly discovered it just automatically yeah, yeah. went elsewhere. And we had nothing to do with it. Suddenly we're on Player FM. It's like, how's somebody, that happen? Somebody suggests, yeah. oh, you got to listen to yeah. this one. And I was oh, okay, well, we'll And they we'll just that. connect to it, pull it across, and, and we're there as well. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I find that all the time that I, I didn't know I was on that one. Yeah. Okay, here we are. <laughs> we we found out we're on IMDb. Yes. Apparently Whoa. podcasts are on IMDb now. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was yeah. I was searching for something else. And it's like I just found myself on IMDb. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. That was just weird. Googles himself all the time. No, it wasn't <laughs> me. I found the. It didn't. Our names weren't there. Just the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> just Googles everybody. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you joining me today. Well, thank you very much. It's it's nice to uh, to actually be interviewed because we're so used to doing the interviewing. It's nice to have yeah. that the, that role reversal. Yeah. 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 I mean. We, I mean, we talk to YouTubers and stuff like that, but, you know, our main thing is, is in, unless we get a beer sponsor and an airline sponsor, I that know. may change things. Ooh. But this, this, is, <laughs> this is out of our basement. It's, it's our hobby. And our main goal is to inform, educate, and promote 
yes. you know, paddlers and stuff. So you're, you're doing the Sea Kayak Paddle uh, podcast. Like, let's, let's get you your name out there to our listeners because we, it's not only canoe trippers that listen to us. Yeah. Right. There's sea kayakers that now they're hopefully, when you get that massive spike <laughs> of 80,000 <laughs> listeners, you're welcome. All right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, John. All right. I'm joined now by Barb Carmichael. She's the vice president of the West Michigan Coastal Kayakers Association. Welcome, Barb. Thank you. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the West Michigan Coastal Kayakers Association. Uh, we are a sea kayaking group that paddles the Great Lakes all over the place. We do trips. We also have a symposium where we're trying to get more people interested in sea kayaking and give them that instruction so that they can do their own kind of trips. And that. Okay, all right. So how long has the... Uh, when I'm going to call it WIMCA because that's kind of the, the <laughs> yes. you mash all that together and it just it goes by WIMCA. All right. Right. So I'm yes. just going to, how long has WIMCA been in existence? I want to say 32 years. We've been doing the symposium for 32 years. Wow. So okay. We've that's, done a lot of them. That's, that's quite a record. So tell us about the symposium itself. So our symposium is geared towards beginners and intermediate paddlers. Um, and we're on, uh, we have a, a uh, YMCA camp where we're based out of so um, that gives us the opportunity to be on a smaller inland lake right there on the property um, we're kind of you know we're going for the beginner kayaks and everything but we're also building a community so we eat all of our meals together so whether it's breakfast lunch and dinner and then we have um, programs for after that so you get that community and and everybody stays on the property so you can camp you can bring your small RV. We don't have hookups. Um, and then we have cabins for rent. And okay. a lot of people, like for 20 years, have been coming to the symposium because they met there. And this is like their yearly event. So it's kind of a beginner. We're going to get you into doing kayaking. We also have what used to be called the BCU Three Star. So um, you'll get to be, you're kind of segregated, but you're out on Lake Michigan and you're learning all those skills. So you're more of an intermediate kayaker and the, you'll get the instruction that you need to get that BCU three-star or it's now called the Sea Kayak Award mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that's all with Bonnie Perry and Bonnie Perry's amazing so sure Bonnie Perry's a, a previous guest of the show here yes yeah. and um, we also have a youth program for seven to 14 year olds and we have our own fleet of youth sea kayaks and so if you come to our program you get use of those um, kayaks and we're at a YMCA camp, so they know how to keep the kids entertained afterwards. Yep. And I get to throw a little shout out because our youth program is run by the Chicago Adventure Therapy Group. Uh -huh. And they was first, first year they did it was last year, and it was just amazing. Everybody loved it, the kids had fun. And so, yeah, we're going for beginner intermediates, building a community. Super, yeah, we actually talked to Zerbari just a little while ago. Yes. From, uh, Chicago Adventure Therapy. And you're right, that the uh, the kids program that you got there is outstanding. I've actually coached at the uh, symposium before and had a really great time myself uh, with that one as well. I, I liked the vibe, you were just talking about that. It's a whole communal program, everybody's on property. Um, there's small cabins right there at the beachfront and everybody just, you know, all the boats accumulate there at the beachfront. Uh, one of the kind of the hallmarks of the event, I guess, is the wacky race. <laughs> so tell us about the wacky race. It's uh, there are no rules, <laughs> and I learned yesterday or last year that was my first time participating in the wacky race that the kids cheat <laughs> while you're trying to race across. They grab your boat. It's just really fun, just um, good camaraderie, just 
let the adults be kids and the kids be kids and and anything can happen and it's yeah. a lot of fun. It's so, just, so give our listeners an idea. What are some of the things that might happen in the wacky race? Uh, you might get rammed. Okay. <laughs> you definitely, when you think you're going to make it, they'll grab you onto your deck lines and hold you back. People will gang up on you and push you out of the way. <laughs> so, you know, there are no rules. And that's, they, they tell you that and you don't believe it, but yeah, no rules. <laughs> and it's a relay format, right? So there's several different pieces that you might have to yes. do. Yeah. yeah. So uh, last year, the first race we had to um, paddle onto the beach and grab something. That might have been a shoe, it could have been a paddle, a frisbee, and you had to paddle all the way across the little area to with that thing that you got off the beach. Yeah, <laughs> I think I had, a, um, so I had a lawn chair at one point <laughs> and a pool noodle. Yes. And uh, those are the things I had to paddle with. Yes. All right, so when does the symposium happen? It happens on Memorial Day weekend. And so we arrive like Friday evening. Um, this year's new. We're going to have dinner on Friday. Usually we don't. We we haven't in the past, but this year we will have a dinner for everybody. Kind of get that community feeling starting early, and then um, so it lasts until 12 p.m. on Monday afternoon. Um, okay. So. Excellent. Is it always held on Memorial Day weekend? Always held on Memorial Day weekend. All right. And that's Camp Pendaloon. Am I, yes. am I pronouncing that right? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it's really nice because in May in Michigan, it's really cold. Sure. But having that inland lake, you can get by being in a wetsuit. You don't necessarily have to have the dry suit and still stay warm throughout the whole day. Okay. So, so I actually purchased my first real sea kayak. At the uh, at the at Wimka Symposium, nice. so I wasn't even a, a participant, but I heard that there was one there, and I drove from when I lived in Chicago, drove all the way out to the uh, to the symposium, <laughs> looked at the boat, put it in the water, tried it out for a little while, bought the boat, and drove back home. So well, I was looking for something in 2018. I was looking for something to do on a Memorial Day weekend, and found the symposium, and I had I wasn't a sea kayaker. I was barely a kayaker, and looked at the schedule and everything and was like, well, why do I want to take a bunch of classes from a different instructors when I can go and do a BCU three class with one instructor for the whole weekend? I did not know what a bow rudder was. Okay. I did not know what a stern rudder was, <laughs> but um, Bonnie just made me feel amazing and it took off. And that is when I became a sea kayaker and now I'm going for an instructor. So in four, five years, I'm now working on an L2. All right, congratulations. So. <laughs> well, I still have that P&H Scorpio today, and I will still hold <laughs> on to that. And uh, and congratulations on the 32nd running, yes. is that right? Yes. Of the uh, West Michigan Coastal Kayakers Association Symposium. Yep, thank you. You're welcome, thank you. If you want to be a stronger and more efficient paddler, Power to the Paddle is packed with fitness guidance and complete descriptions along with photos of more than 50 exercises to improve your abilities and enjoy your time on the water. The concept and exercises in this book have helped me become a better paddler and they can make a difference for you too. The exercises in the book can help you reduce tension in your shoulders and low back, use the power of your torso to create leverage and use less energy with each stroke, use force generated from your lower body to make your paddling strokes more efficient, have the endurance to handle long days in the boat, drive through the toughest waves or white water, protect your body against common paddling injuries, and while you're at it, you might even lose a few pounds, and who wouldn't mind that? So visit paddlingexercises.com to get the book and companion DVD. I love events like this one. 
being able to connect with so many people and such a wide variety of people in one place is just fantastic. This was my first time at Quiet Adventures, and I will surely be back. Don't forget, check out OnlineSeaKayaking.com and take advantage of the great video lessons that James and Simon have put together, and enter the code PTBPODCAST at checkout and get 10% off just for being a member of the Paddling the Blue community. Well, we've already been to Quiet Adventures Symposium, and it is trade show season, so we're going to go to another longtime favorite. Our next episode will come to you from Madison, Wisconsin, where we'll be recording from the Level 6 booth at Canucopia, the world's largest paddle sports expo. We'll be talking with paddlers, exhibitors, and share some of the newest and most interesting gear from the show. So until next time, thanks again for listening, and I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Paddling the Blue. Thank you for listening to Paddling the Blue. You can subscribe to Paddling the Blue on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. We truly appreciate the support. And you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes, along with replays of past episodes, contact information, and more at paddlingtheblue.com. Until next time, I hope you get out and paddle the blue.